Okay, and we're back for another episode of AlphaCast. I'm Mike Winter, and I'm here as always with Dr. Bear Paul Lando up here on the Smith River in the great state of Jefferson and uh, on the border of California and Oregon. Alpha Vedic is an off-grid uh, uh, herbal farm and botanical gardens. We are a, a, a co-op, a health co-op, and really a, a community that's all about um, coming together, creating our tribe for um, you know, true, uh, true health and uh, pushing the real boundaries of real science. And so it's just such a, an honor today to have Sayer G on the podcast, whose uh, new book, Reju- um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Regenerate, is really uh, pushing those boundaries that everything that we talk about. And uh, it's just a fantastic read and just so happy to have Sayer on today. Um, for those that are new to the podcast and to Alpha Vedic, you can find out more about us at alphavedic.com, A-L-F-A-B-E-D-I-C.com. There you can find links to everything uh, that we do, our Telegram group, we're on Discord, uh, AlphaCast is the podcast, and all the products that we handcraft and sell. If you are interested in supporting this, if you enjoy this content, one of the best ways to support us is by um, purchasing those products or joining our co-op at patreon.com forward slash alpha Vedic. Well, today, like I said, we are so honored to have Sayer G on the podcast. He's the founder of Green Med Info. He's an author, activist, speaker, and widely recognized thought leader in the natural health and wellness space. He is also a reviewer at the International Journal of Human Nutrition and Functional Medicine, co-founder and CEO of System Biomed and advisor of the National Health Federation, Sayer created GreenMedInfo.com in 2008 with a vision to provide consumers and healthcare professionals with evidence-based clinical data without the complexity of searching and navigating multiple health institutions. Today, GreenMedInfo is the world's most widely referenced natural medical resource, averaging 1 million visits per month, over 300,000 subscribers to its popular daily newsletter, and a social media reach of millions of additional fans. It really is um, quite a go-to website. If you're not familiar with it, I think most people that follow us are very familiar with this website. And it is really just a, a powerful force on our side. So <laughs> we're really happy it exists. And then, like I said, Sayer um, has just come out with his, his book, which really is a culmination of everything he's been doing with Greed and Mad Info, Regenerate. I'm about two-thirds through it. And it is a phenomenal read, Unlocking Your Body's Radical Resilience Through the New Biology. And that's something we'll talk about a bit today. Uh, how are you guys today? Great to have you on here. I'm excited to be here. I'm a big fan of both your work and what you're doing there. And I just love that you've created, you know, these products from your actual, you know, integrated, you know, grounded labor of love. And you're supporting this platform with that. And I love that because we're all seeing the need to uh, <clears throat> exit the, the conventional platforms or we're going to get kicked out either one. So uh, you guys are just pioneers in so many ways. So very good. It's a great honor to be here. Sayer, welcome. Uh, so glad to have you here. I've been looking forward to this chat actually for a long time. We've had a little cursory communication on the airwaves there. And I know we have a lot to talk about. Uh, I'm in awe of what you've created. Just uh, such an amazing uh, body of work and, and a resource and, and I'm sure most of our audience is already aware of Green Med Info, but if anybody hasn't been there, you need to go there. 
it's really, I think, the definitive uh, go-to source. And you're so well-spoken on so many subjects. Uh, and it, lately, with all the, the events in the world, uh, yeah, I know you branched out quite a bit into other subject matter having to do with, uh, oh, we'll, we'll say sovereignty issues, uh, you know, for lack of a better way to say it, and that kind of thing. So uh, just delighted to have you here. Thank you so much. And you know how we do this here. We're just free form and, and we'll take it wherever you want to go. Uh, so we'll follow your lead and, and uh, this will be fun. Well, yeah. thank you. <laughs> Sorry. Um, did Mike, were you going to say something? Well, I was just going to say, um, you know, I mentioned on your, in your book, the, the new biology that, um, like I said, I'm about two thirds through your book and that might be a great place to start. I don't know, unless you want to go somewhere else with it, Sayer, but I feel like it really ties in a lot to everything that we discuss on AlphaCast and that AlphaVedic is all about. Because like I said, when we were discussing before the show, you've done an amazing job at compiling all this, like these really, uh, you know, true science, uh, and, um, and it's just such a well-documented book that really is showing kind of where we're going with connecting consciousness and spirit and, and really where, you know, uh, where we need to go away from the more traditional allopathic um, pharmaceutical model and you're showing it with real science. So that's what's really exciting about it. It's not woo-woo. It's not just out there stuff. It's, it's all grounded in, in the new, what, we, what you're calling the new biology. And I was thinking maybe if you wanted to give a little summary on that or really just take us wherever you go. But that was kind of one of my thoughts as a good way to start. Well, I appreciate that. Um, so, you know, to be completely frank, I was actually a bit intimidated to be on this because of Dr. Lando's pioneering work and dot connecting with so many of the subjects that I love to dabble in. Uh, so, so it's an opportunity for me as well to connect people that have been following my work, more of the conventional layer, a lot of coming in looking for natural solutions that are evidence-based. Um, so they can understand your work and the deeper layers of going down the rabbit hole, which is really what I think my book was intending to do is really create more of a bridge because when we talk about the new biology, that's so arbitrary. Now, there's probably 150 definitions of what that means. So my use of the term was really almost like a technique to get people to understand that there is sort of this ontological rift and there are different worldviews that we can enter. The old biology, as I like to call it, in many ways is, is um, as we can see today with COVID, being wielded as a geopolitical instrument of domination. And, and because a lot of us who have studied the microbiome and virome understand that the basis for the concept that COVID-19, a singular, invisible, ubiquitous enemy has shut the planet down is, you know, unfortunately, I'll use the word absurd, you know, comes from my more angry young man uh, earlier stage, but there's so, such a outrageousness to what's occurring from the perspective of the fact that most of the protein coding genes in our body have some kind of viral-like signature, uh, 11% for retroviral origin. And it just, you start to understand that viruses are not what people think they are, and certainly not in the way being cast as a spell globally to pretty much destroy the lives of hundreds of millions and uh, you know, control demolition of our economy. So that's the beauty of the new biology as far as I see it is it, it just sort of eclipses out the, um, 
BS that dominates and is the substrate for allopathic medicine practice. And I was hoping I could introduce this into the world before this kind of thing hit, like a meteor. And yet there's something poetic about the fact the book was literally released at the moment that no bookstores were open in the world. And still it managed to reach a level of penetrance that at least I had a book launch. And it ultimately speaks to um, a type of uh, understanding of the body that is almost better described in terms of um, the mystic traditions or some aspects of quantum mechanics, which again, Dr. Lando, I love your insight into this. Um, and that's why it's all perfect, even though it's a, it's, it's a grotesque mess, what's happened, you know, with my book, with the world. And, uh, you know, my, my hope is that I can tie some of these pieces together and heal them in my own being. And then that is my new work. It's not to get more information out into the world on cures, you know, turmeric provide. That's part of my work, but it's really about, you know, healing myself and becoming a better person. And that's the kind of activism that I know you guys are grounding as well. And I think you can speak so deeply to sovereignty and things that my people have never even been exposed to. So I'm, I'm excited to sort of pass the floor to you guys. And what all ties in together, you know, when you're talking about sovereignty issues and some of the non-consent, uh, you know, kind of movements that uh, I, I know you've been involved with, uh, people in the past, you know, they they come in for healthcare, and once I got to know them a little bit, they'd usually get an earful about other things that are going on in the world, and they say, "Well, why are you involved in things like law?" And uh, you know, I would explain, "Well, if you have." Um, you know, an entity that is trying to control you on, on the deepest levels of your being, you are going to understand that your creativity is being stifled. We are creative beings. We're here for a purpose. And as soon as that is stifled, then, you know, we uh, fall into a state of frustration and it uh, immediately holographically translates into our biology. So, you know, back there is a time where uh, initiates will say, uh, whose light had been uh, gathered to a certain point just through self-effort and application, they were actually invited into, we'll say, certain types of retreats. And in these retreats, uh, you were required to know the ways of the outer world. It wasn't just all esoteric knowledge about matters of spirit. You had to be very, uh, you know, uh, fluent in law. You had to be fluent in politics and finances because they understood that if you weren't, then you would be vulnerable to those forces and never attain your highest spiritual development. And that's why somebody like myself, who has a vocation of medicine, got into all those things in the first place. Wow. I love that so much because in this moment, I find myself also, like many out there, struggling or um, trying to turn into an opportunity. The reality of, of understanding fiat currency, which I already kind of understood, but is completely vapor, you know, it's, it's sort of more based on a promise of, of violence or who's stronger uh, and confidence, general the illusion of, of giving, as James True likes to say, the prana of our belief, you know, to these structures. Um, and so now that we're seeing that it is basically about to go through its death spiral, what, what does have real value? And, and it's folks like you that have been pioneering this. You, you saw it coming, you already understood you know, what fiat dollars are in the Fed and all these things and have been building value and a means to create sustainable, although that's a terrible word because the UN has co-opted it, 
regenerative, you know, systems and cultures for feeding ourselves. So I, you know, I'm just so excited to learn more about what you guys are doing in linking all this together. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, my background going into the cryptocurrency stuff, we just did a show on it. You know, I, I kind of, I, we talk about how like my dad was really into all this stuff. He had me reading the creature from Jekyll Island in the late nineties, you know, which is that very famous book about um, the creation of the fed by, uh, was it G W Griffith? What's his, what's yeah. the author's name? Um, G Edward Griffin. G Edward Griffin, who bear has met in, in person. And, and anyways, um, uh, you know, and, and so it wasn't until I met bear that he made the connection between the idea behind you know, the, as you say, the vaporware money and our health and how important that is to understand that when we are um, indebted in any kind of way, uh, whether that be culturally, uh, fiscally, um, in our family relationships, it affects our, our health directly because uh, we're not uh, taking control. And when we're not taking control, then we manifest that physically in illness. And, you know, Germanic New Medicine touches on this and um, but that was really, Bear is such a mastermind at like tying that all together. And it really is like, whoa, that's, that's maybe why I've been dealing with chronic uh, strep throat for a lot of my life. Cause I've had a lot of these stresses and pressures. And that was, was something that was interesting. And I was reading your book, Sayer, is you too had, um, you know, and you're, you actually had it a lot worse than I did. I dealt with chronic strep throat um, growing up. And um, unfortunately, uh, my mom coming, who I love dearly, and if you're listening, I love you so much, mom, who was a traditional RN and ran hospitals, you know, just kind of knew the thing to go to the pediatrician and get me on uh, antibiotics. And I got in this nasty cycle where every winter I dreaded getting strep throat. And luckily I didn't get uh, the, have the surgery. I was able to just, I just didn't want to have it. And I kept fighting it. And I, so I still have everything intact. I have my tonsils and everything, but listening to your story was it really hit me close to home because you know um i feel like sometimes that's really what it takes to to break out of the allopathic model is that unfortunate suffering that we have to go through from it so i don't know if you want to touch a little bit on that from what you talk about in the book but um yeah. you too kind of had were put through the ringer if you will uh as a child up until early, uh you know uh early adulthood with that um Wow, well, I love that, uh, you know, Bear introduced you to that concept regarding, you know, obviously not being dependent uh, on external sources of power or, you know, debt, for example, that's, that's powerful within the model of understanding disease on, on all levels. Um, on a secular level of the narrative, I, you know, almost see myself as a victim of the allopathic system, right? And because I was born rather, ill and treated, you know, in a way with bronchiasma and vaccinations and the whole deal that I believe may have, you know, caused a lot of damage. But on a higher level, I do think that I chose that experience so that I could then transform it as, as a way of service to myself first and foremost, because you heal yourself first before you can, you know, really transmit a real wisdom. But Anyway, I um, see it as an opportunity now. And through the lens of compassion, I really understand that the trauma is a substrate to almost everything that we call evil, I believe. And um, certainly 
that that goes, you know, there are many ways you can talk about that, but I do feel that that's a real gift that I've received that understanding that trauma is at the root of, of most disease and behavior that would seem chaotic and, and evil. But I'd love, you know, your opinion bar on that, or bear, sorry. Yeah, and, and you know, just to um, be out front, you know, I've never really had an original idea ever, but I was fortunate enough to um, learn with some really great minds, and they were icons at the time, and those people are not around anymore. And they represented, I believe, the last of the old school truth that was on the planet. You know, the great nature paths here. You know, your uh, teachers of Rudolf Steiner, who I was uh, fortunate enough to get under the wing of a, a, a very well-known uh, uh, German uh, musicologist, you know, who is his primary student. So I learned from him and, and then New German Medicine, which uh, directly translates the understanding of the electrical universe and some of the things I know you know we talk about here, you know, with the work of uh, Walter Russell and, and other people that understand the universe from that premise. Uh, all of those um, uh, bits of information, you know, really connect up fine. New German medicine is a medical application of what Walter Russell was talking about. And then, uh, you, you know, and then the, when you get into sovereignty issues as well, you understand the word game that's being played. And that, uh, for instance, we're talking about the Federal Reserve. Well, all they did is they created a currency system. So when you understand the, the um, you know, the nature of our, the true nature of ourselves and the universe and our role within it, everything is electrical. And therefore, uh, everything that we think, feel is a real event, the, a real creative event. And then that has to outpicture the same exact force in many levels of reality in our health, uh, you know, in our finances, uh, in the world around us. So when the Federal Reserve, back to them, they develop a currency system, well, they understand the nature of the electrical universe, and, and we can't fool ourselves that they don't know about all this stuff. So if they're uh, creating currency that we are enslaved to and have to use our life force in order to attain it, then they, are, they have a conduit now right into us as far as farming us for our energy and the name of the game for us as individuals of course is to gather our energy and then use that energy as kind of like uh, retro rockets so to speak you know to to lift off or however you think about that but instead the energy is inverted and you know going down to our lower centers so that they can use it for nefarious purposes so, uh, you know, it really does all tie in, you know, the electrical universe, new German medicine, the practical application of that, uh, the money systems really have to go to the next level, you know, more Mike's level of expertise, where it's all one cohesive whole. So I'll let you jump in there because I tend to get off on things there. Well, I love what you're saying. And uh, I know there was a I think I recently coined the term electrome to describe the total set of electrical phenomena given off by a cell and that at the core, fundamentally, we think about the electrome as epiphenomenal, that there's like this, you know, set of atoms and friction and whatever the building blocks of that system say is real and everything else is sort of off-gassed as electrical activity, but it's inverted, I believe, where that is fundamentally, you know, the 
what we're dealing with is, you know, there's a, as you, you've discussed, I think in a really powerful way around waveforms and everything being a waveform. So physical matter is quite an illusion from that perspective. Um, but I just really enjoy the way you're connecting the currency, you know, it sounds like electrical current in this, some would use the, the term Luciferian inversion or co-option of our life energy that we are exchanging unknowingly, you know, for what is really just, like you said, vaporware, money, whatever you call it. Um, I, um, so, but it's like a form of harvesting. I, I like to sometimes use biological metaphors like, uh, you know, cordyceps spores landing on a on an ant and then suddenly it just thinks it has to go to that tree over there on that branch and then take a nap. And a few days later, like it, mushrooms sprouting out of its brain and it just, you know, we, we've been in, in though parasitically compromised by these systems. And um, it's, um, it's also the memeplex uh, concept where it uh, co-ops and harvests biological resources. So like the, the newest sphere or ideas uh, thought forms have so much power and they exist in a, a liminal realm between physical and etheric. So, you know, it's, it's interesting. I know that some of Steiner's work, he talks in this sort of language, but maybe that's what we're learning to do is find that new language to describe what actually is happening without the words. Then it has so much power sometimes because it's happening. We don't know it's there, but it is happening. So, Anyway, so going back to uh, the, the original thing that I find so compelling about what you guys are doing is, you know, actually investing in creating a um, community where you're feeding yourself from your own efforts. And I'm assuming you use permaculture or biodynamic type of systems. Do you find a, a over unity occurring in terms of biomass and energy? Like you get more out than you put in or is it more balanced one-to-one? -one? I, uh, working with Mother Nature, I think she gives us back a, at least a thousand-fold of what we put into it. That's just my experience. You plant a seed in a, a, street, a tree, you know, serves you for years and feeds you forever. So it seems like we're getting a lot more bang from our buck than what uh, we're giving back. Wow. That's just what I feel, yeah. That's profound because when you think about a conventional loan and the interest or the Federal Reserve's relationship to our money supply, where you can never even pay back the interest on the interest over time, it's like a big Ponzi scheme meant to implode and devastate. And nature's totally inverted that, where you get thousands of times, infinite times back what you put in, and that benign um, superfluity, if you want to call it that you see it with things that are so goddamn beautiful. Like you got peacocks out here in, in, in Miami. You look at those things and it's like, God did not have to come up with anything even close to that. You know, why not create a DARPA-like robot, you know, like Elon Musk and all these freaks. Uh, but this is what nature does. It makes it so over the top beautiful and abundant. And that's what I guess you're plugged into because you're, 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 you've made the commitment to decouple from the system I think most of our people are still plugged to our devices in the system, have no clue how to make this transition. So how would you help those individuals that are just starting to wake up to what's about to, to happen? I would, um, Mike, did you want to jump in? You go. Wow. Um, 
Well, that's what our whole platform is kind of about is, is helping people with that. Um, we, we're really developing our Discord right now, too. They have different sections that people can dive into from, uh, you know, off-grid strategies to um, prepping for, you know, just it's kind of funny. It's like going back to your grandma's, you know, or to like two or three generations ago, it's actually not that complicated, but we're not also the type that just like look back at like, you know, make America great again. (laughs) You know, it's like, no, let's, let's make everything better now by embracing old world technologies um, that are more self-sustainable things that like permaculture and stuff you know, knowing how to can your own food and, and grow your own food and your own medicine, but also let's embrace decentralized technological systems. Let's, um, you know, we're, we're going into a future digital world. Let's make that digital world work for us um, by getting away from centralization and instead uh, decentralize through our own tribes that can then all connect. So we talk about a lot of this stuff, but in terms of making that shift, it really is a consciousness shift first and foremost. So it's really about grounding yourself first and foremost, getting to understand who we truly are as infinite conscious beings. We talked about trauma uh, briefly. I feel like we're still resonating off the trauma from the Atlantis destruction and and really, you know, ancient stuff that epigenetically um, affects us. And we still have a lot of trauma as a species And, um, you know, getting past that so that we can understand that, you know, this scientific reductionism that really kind of dominates this paradigm that's really led us to a lot of advances also is the great Ponzi scheme. And we're really getting more and more in debt, just like the the financial system as, you know, the as above, so below mentality. I mean, that concept really is true. It's a Mm -hmm. it's a true you know, principle of reality. It's a universal law. So we're seeing that across the board for thousands of years as we're getting more and more in debt because of, of this trauma uh, that we have and, and our need to kind of reduce everything so that we can make sense of everything when really we just need to let go. We need to understand abundance. We need to understand we're, there's nothing to fear. There's nothing to lose. And then once we have that, then we don't have to hold on as tight. We can kind of experiment and have fun and, 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 and release from the system. So we try to just be really, you know, motivate people to be positive and, and, and try things, experiment with things, go slow at first, but then, um, yeah, uh, really embrace um, the oddities, the, the weird things that we talk about um, because it'll make your life more interesting. And then, um, you know, as with COVID right now, it's really an opportunity. It's kind of a kick in the ass for everybody to like, okay, it's time to really, Go with go with things that um, the system's obviously not working. Everything's breaking, so let's let's use this as an opportunity to, you know, maybe look at buying some rural land and getting out of the city, um, or at least look into um, figuring out how to grow my own food more and um, and uh, get into some herbology, growing my own medicine, uh, start connecting with other people that are into this, jump into the Telegram and with these all these groups that are popping up, and really start just having fun with it. And that's just the best way to go about it versus like the more prepper mentality that everything's going to collapse. Everything's going to fail. We're all, you know, I personally think that's a romanticized version of reality. I don't think it's going to collapse. I think it's just going to keep going the way it's going until we decide, no, we don't want it that way anymore. So um, what better way than just start practicing in your daily life every day. So that's what Alpha Vedic's all about.
And, um, you know, if you guys, if this, if you're new to this and this is inspiring you and you're listening to this right now, join us on Telegram, join us on Discord, Telegram, t.me forward slash alphavedic discord now you can just go to alphavedic.com forward slash discord these are platforms that are um somewhat you know not really decentralized but they're not uh, censoring people so we can uh, discuss these things freely get off the gulags of facebook and instagram and the, the corporatized corporatized institutions and um let's just start working together as a tribe to create the the future we want to see Aaron? no say please <laughs> i'm just excited to hear that and i know that the many individuals that are on our list who are new to a lot of these topics i think a lot of them need to hear that i tend to be mis more dystopian um <laughs> yeah and it's sort of like a part of my disease wound structure but it has a certain gift which is i tend to look at worst case scenarios and really feel it at some point and then try to create a different possible future, you know, and try to call that in. So I like that you hold that space. I can feel it in both your energies. And I think it's probably because you're already surrounded by the infrastructure and signals of safety needed to hold that space. I'm in not that place. In fact, when um, my book launched and COVID hit, I was literally homeless because my home had gotten flooded. I was renting it and it was full of mold. And uh, the, unfortunately, the landlord didn't take care of it. So I had to leave and I, I was trying to find Airbnbs and then they were precluding Airbnbs due to COVID in Miami. So it was, it was really something. So I have just gotten to a place where I have a rental that finally set up to do this kind of stuff. It feels so good, but we just, we're trying to grow a little garden and it's for, it takes so much time and effort. There's iguanas all over the place eating all of <laughs> Oh, man. So, like, we haven't been able to produce a micro calorie of nutrition yet. And then there's the people that follow me, which probably a lot of them are, you know, not even close or they're in the cities. So, it's good to know you guys exist, have this place you're holding and can provide that. So, I encourage everyone to follow you guys and uh, take your lead. I just got on Telegram. I'm basically removing myself from all of the uh, I don't know what you called it. It was really good. Oh, Gulag, social media Gulags, uh, and the deep state architected Gulag uh, of social media. And so Telegram is uh, where I'm going to be to get channels going, and then I can direct people to the new projects. Yeah, wonderful. So I, I would say, um, you know, for the people that are just embarking on this journey, you're always realizing that you're in the perfect place where you're supposed to be. So never compare yourself with somebody that's totally off grid and, you know, has 10 years supply of food and all that kind of thing. You know, we began this journey, my wife and myself in 1975. Uh, we saw the handwriting on the wall because of the circles we traveled. And I started making the move from conventional and alternative medicine uh, we were buying gold and, uh, you know, back when it was like 70 bucks or something like that. And, uh, you know, we, we had our animals, we had our garden. So it's not an overnight process. It's really a journey. But what we've learned is to just kind of settle down and say, hey, there's, this is a benevolent universe. Uh, somebody's got our back. There's a hierarchy of intelligence. And when you tap into that mindset, um, 
know, everything gets taken care of. Now, on another level, I consider myself a collapsitarian, so maybe a little bit more in agreement with where you're at there. But to me, uh, the systemic collapse is a very positive thing that we've been happening, uh, waiting to happen for many decades. And it's just like, okay, let's get this slow burn over with just get a clean slate and, and do what Bucky said, you know, you can't work within the same system. You have to create a new one. So we've been doing that on the side and a lot of us and, and people like yourself, I know uh, are doing the same thing. So when the dust settles, then, you know, we will be able to create a new with a nice clean canvas. You made, I'll make one more little comment. I don't know about its relevance to what I'm talking about here, but you made a comment about metaphor. And I think it's all part of, uh, living in nature versus an urban environment. Uh, I consider, I don't take anything literal and I, that's just me. I believe every experience in my life is metaphoric. And, uh, you know, when you work with indigenous people, uh, you know, which we have a lot up here and we, we have a lot of, uh, communication and cooperation and, and ventures, um, if you're walking along through the forest and, and a bear, you know, runs across or if I see a cougar in the morning, you know, and I first get up, that has significant meaning. And it really goes back to the understanding of our electric universe and how all of these vectors that we put in place create all these myriads of events, including every single little detail that is supposed to be telling you something. But of course, like Mike says, we've been brought into this reductionist mindset where we have to make everything external to ourselves rather than understanding we're the source. So uh, I think my own opinion is we need to get back to that way of life where we start paying attention to every little e event and, and develop an act to interpret it as a metaphor for something that we're supposed to be paying attention to. Beautiful. I love it. That's exactly the kind of sermon that uh, I like to hear because I have this um, nascent spiritual side that has been awakened uh, by this experience. And it's so true to me now that although I don't live it every moment because I get triggered, I got my wounds to clear still, that everything is infinitely meaningful. And the implication is that if you live in meta metaphor versus, you know, literal or in a meaningful universe that um, we actually have a, a rather immense power to create circumstances that otherwise we would not want to admit we co-created or, or brought in, or vice versa, the most beautiful of all experiences that we are creating now, as you say, just by being present and, and paying attention to the way that, I don't know how you would put it, holofractally, we, we, we manifest with the universe, you know, the things that appear like adversity. So... I was, I was saying this the other day because I really love the Kali Yuga context, although it's dark for what's going on, is I feel like COVID-19 really represents a conscious global demarcation point and event horizon. I mean, with the calendrics of the Kali Yuga and some Indian systems, it's supposed to last 40,000 years, whatever that means in literal time. But I feel like right now, if you look at what's happening through a secular lens, it's absolutely terrifying. But from the spiritual opportunity lens, it's the best time to be alive because you're not trying to preserve your little fragment of your body. It's about being fully present to yourself, to life, to enjoy the, you know, the little berry at the end of the stick while the lion's about to eat you, like that whole metaphor. Um, so I, you know, I appreciate that you hold that wisdom, both of you, and that you're, you know, I see you guys 
you're in the future that I want to land at, you know, like literally. Uh, Kelly and I have been looking at trying to find a little plot of land and maybe years later, you know, if the UN agenda doesn't uh, you know, inhibit our, our land use, we might be able to create something small like that here. But um, it's really important that you've done this because back in 75, I was in diapers, you know. Um, people know it's possible. They see it. And you guys are emanating a, a real strong and, and peaceful energy and wise energy. Yeah, as a King Club just said in the chat, best apocalypse ever. <laughs> and, and really, that's kind of what we talk about in our Telegram group a lot. It's like, this is the, um, the electrical um, stimulus that we needed to really kick forth the new era of um, the, new, the new theology of uh, science meets spirit. That's what we're all about. It's like, we got to, obviously the systems built on the reductionist materialism are, are all failing. And we're seeing the power structures at play, trying everything they can to, um, to force us into this, uh, like, you know, the agenda 21, the agenda 2030 model, which they must have happen if they want to control nature, which, which is what I talk a lot about is that this is really man's ego for thousands of years, trying to dominate and say, man is better than nature, which, you know, obviously man, man is nature. We are the divine creators. We, you know, we work in harmony with nature. We're all one. So why try to dominate it when we can go back in the flow with nature, we can work with nature to create whatever we want. So it's, um, it's really kind of like nature saying, well, here you go, take this COVID thing. And whether we want to say, you know, obviously we've, we've gone deep into the whole COVID thing on this show and explaining about germ theory and all that. And that's, you know, important to understand. However, if we look at it in the more, like you were saying, on the more spiritual side, there's a lot of positivity here because quite frankly, I don't want to go back to what was considered normal. Normal was not working for me. I tell you that. That's why I moved my family out of LA four years ago up here because I, I had a sense that normal was going to get really dire. And, um, and so we're seeing it play and we're seeing like with the whole mask thing and the mask things are really important psyop for them, a really important tactic because it's creating that division they need to create the control. Um, so it's a visual representation of division. That's how I'm seeing the mask thing where those who are, um, subservient to the mass are the ones subservient to the control systems, the old systems, and those that are um, seeing the ridiculousness of it and refusing to do it are now putting themselves out there as the non-mask wearers. So we're visually noticeable in society as the rebels, as the, the outsiders. And that's a, a strategy that is really quite brilliant by the controlling mechanisms because it, it's just more divide and conquer. Um, however, um, you know, we're seeing that fracturing, at least on our end, and on a lot of different places. And while they're trying to really stratify it with mandates and all this stuff, um, you know, it's just uh, how, how far can you push nature till it just cracks? So um, I know you've been very vocal about the whole mask thing, Sayer. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a very divisive issue. And I know it, it's, <laughs> it'll trigger a lot of folks, but it's something that, you know, it's... Um, for me, it's, it, gets a, it gets challenging, you know, like my kids were just uh, visiting family and wanting to go places. And it's like, what do you do? You, you know, you gotta, you gotta still enjoy your life. And if it's a fine, it's a hard thing to face right now for me personally. And so I don't even leave my little town really <laughs> if I don't have to, but 
Um, if I do, uh, I won't wear a mask and I, I get challenged in public spaces and I, I'll stand up for myself. But there in Miami, I know it's, it's pretty tough. I think, was it in Miami where they're even saying you have to wear it inside in some places? And um, it's yeah. just, you know, it's wild. But when we look at the spiritual side of things, we can see why this is being pushed by these control systems. And while it seems dire, um, it also seems like these are the, the stimulus for the great change. It's like whenever it gets this bad is when we have a massive evolution of change. So that's where I look at things. But in terms of, you know, with the mask issue, where do you see it going? And, um, you know, what are things that you guys are doing on your end to kind of educate and, and help people understand, um, you know, kind of what's behind all this? Yeah, like I said, it's a very triggering issue. Um, so just, you know, for me, it's like an inverted yellow star in the sense that, you know, if you aren't wearing one, you might as well be wearing a yellow star. You know, so that's how people are reacting to individuals who are concerned about the health risks uh, of wearing one and the symbology of submission signaling to an agenda, which absolutely is not based on any hard science, none of the deaths required virus testing, only suspicion, and therefore the coding of deaths are completely fraudulent. So anytime anyone even says COVID death, it's actually a complete reification of the original PSYOP. Not to say there wasn't some kind of bioweaponized, you know, toxicant or exosome that was deployed in Wuhan or will still be deployed in a region here because our government's history is all about that kind of operation. But, I, you know, we know, obviously, our communities that Germ theory has always only been theoretical and it's been completely disproved. And so for us, you know, doing that work, we, we know that this is um, really more about controlling. And now people are being forced to wear their ideology or allegiance to what form of sorcery they happen to prefer. And for, you know, so basically the thing about the mess is that, um, it's a placeholder for mandatory vaccination, as well as for the quote chipping called quantum dots, not technically a microchip, but it's the same concept. Uh, the incentivization or access to employment, to travel, to buying groceries, to have power and water is gonna be based on whether you've complied to getting one of these fraudulent tests and then submitted to the you know, the uh, Chinese uh, technocratic dystopian model of social credit systems and 24-7 um, surveillance and dominance. And so it's a difficult because those who don't see that, and especially those that look at us by not wearing them as if we're harmful to them, I'd already seen this after 10 years of activism on vaccines where non-vaccinating children uh, would be perceived as a violent threat, dirty. So it's, it's the well-trodden steps of genocide. It's step five, where you start identifying a certain category, uh, a minority as vermin or disease cares. So this playbook was written, and it's very interesting historically because you could say, wow, that looks like a Nazi playbook. Well, with Project Paperclip, you know that actually that same agenda was imported to the United States and Canada. And then you can't blame the Germans or Nazis because actually it was Wall Street that funded the Third Reich. You know, even Ford himself was uh, uh, putting all these uh, pamphlets, eugenic pamphlets out before Hitler, when Hitler was in his diapers, you know, this was being 
cultivated the United States, we are at the root of eugenics here. So a lot of what's going on is the delivery of karma. You know, if, if you follow astrology, many people who follow me for years probably have no idea that I've been a novice astrologer, you know, for 30 years. I love that system. And talk about literal or, or metaphor, you know, when it comes to understanding astronomy and or flat earth and all the other topics. But right now with the conjunction of Capricorn and Pluto and Jupiter, it happened all at the right moment. 12 years ago, Pluto entered Capricorn. You know, it's the dark Saturnian Satan system. And, and, and it basically imploded it. But in terms of it being executed in a third dimension or reality, it took Saturn meeting up there which just happened. So the timing of executing, delivering the karma to billions just occurred. So it's very interesting. It's definitely part of the whole regeneration, Kali Yuga uh, moment. But um, mask thing, within that context, it's not just about whether you believe in germ theory or not. This is a sign of an international coup. It's like a meteor strike ideologically occurred. And now people are like, Handmaid's Tale, they're donning the mask of a future that Orwell described as um, a, a boot stepping on a human face uh, forever. That's what he said the future would look like if this kind of agenda was fulfilled to its, uh, its end. So, you know, that's my dark vision of what the masks are about. Yeah, you, you uh, threw out another interesting term, karma. And I think karma, unfortunately, has become synonymous with original sin, you know, within Catholicism, which is what I grew up in a Latin culture. And, um, you know, it's also equated to doing something bad, whereas we have to understand, no, it, it just means putting electrical events into motion. And so when we consent, we have to understand we are... Uh, needing to take uh, responsibility for the consequences that will surely follow that consent. And uh, relating it back to biology, you know, in Chinese medicine, we talk about uh, kidney uh, energy, you know, kidney yang and yin, and, and how that's kind of, the, you know, our bank accounts that we're born with, and our job is to not waste it and cultivate it and then use it wisely. However, when we consent, we are literally giving away our will force and will force, you know, synonymous with the spine where the energy rises so that we can elevate into greater bandwidth of perception. Now that energy is again being inverted and siphoned and we are willingly allowing that to happen. And if there's anything I think that I would judge as a crime would be, you know, giving that divinity away to another individual to use for purposes other than what it was given to me for in the first place to create my vision of reality. So, um, you know, and interestingly, uh, the law of the land now is all about the uniform commercial code, you know, when you go into court systems and, you know, and use all of our numbers and, and you know, so we can get our FRNs and go buy our stuff. It's all about uniform commercial code. It has nothing to do with our original uh, constitutional republic. And if you read that book, um, like here's one right here, Uniform Commercial Code, this is the, the new Bible of the world. And, you know, people say, well, I don't believe in conspiracies. Well, if you take the Uniform Commercial Code and um, go to every country without exception in the world, they will have this verbatim identical word for word in the mother language of that country. So are you telling me that that's just uh, sort of like a big bang, everybody came up with the same book with the identical, anyway, um, in this book, 
you have um, the terminology uh, for us is transmitting utilities. We are a transmitting utility. We are a conduit of energy to that system. And when we consent, we're saying, okay, I'll give you all my energy, do whatever the hell you want with it. And I'll just sit here and weather and stay on the, the wheel of karma, if you want to talk about it that way. Yeah. So anyway, uh, that's, that's my rant. But it really ties in biology with law. And that's uh, another reason why I believe consent is the original sin. And, uh, you know, I know you've been quite an activist on the front lines of the non-consenter. I think you have. So if you'd like to comment on that, that would be wonderful. Well, this is the kind of conversation that I, it's like candy to me. I love the way that you uh, navigate all the dot connecting because, you know, compartmentalization from MK Ultra playbooks to the way society is set up is just based on trying to fragment the psyche, the divine wholeness that we are. That Anyway, so I uh, enjoy having conversations with individuals that naturally, you know, they swim in this medium. Um, so this is powerful. I wouldn't have known that transmitting utility. I was a student of um, philosophy, you know, my undergraduate, and there was this uh, thinker named Lyotard who wrote a book called Libidinal Economy. And it talked a lot about the body politic and the libidinal flows of this, you know, thing that we are as a collective. And I find it so important for people to understand these sorts of concepts and uh, I just, um, when it comes to non-consent, yeah, it was Josh Del Sol that really helped me get into this realm with his Take Back the Power, Your Power documentary on 5G and all the things we are complicit with not consenting to. And I, I didn't understand it until later that that, you know, is ontological. It's, uh, it's, it's just based on every layer of our experience in relation to power, um, that it's not just some, you know, public utility company, but that we can learn to um, observe how we give our divinity, as you say, our power to other things. And it may be done out of love and a sacrifice where we gift our energy to a loved one. Or if it's done consciously, I think it could be done beautifully, the sacrifice, which means to make holy. But um, there's many meanings, I'm sure, but that's one etymology. So I really um, love what you're bringing to the table. Uh, and also, by the way, when I say exactly delivering karma, yeah, that can sound really shitty, like I'm talking about the original sin we all deserve. Uh, but I like when some people describe karma in terms of cause and effect. And ultimately, it's hard to accept that kind of karma when there's hundreds of years of energy behind it, unless one somehow understands or consents or believes in, you know, I guess, um, transmigration of souls, reincarnation. Maybe not. It's not mutually exclusive, but I tend to believe in that perspective so that it makes more sense to me but for those who don't maybe they think it's just one life and you're just this biological form it doesn't seem fair it doesn't make any sense and i don't blame you but uh i think that there's something very beautiful happening in this it's just a matter of having the right context for understanding it that will make it uh, easier to navigate yeah and then in the field of homeopathy we call group karma miasm and, you know, if you look at past civilizations like Atlantis, if you want to just use that as an example, uh, there was a period where uh, very domineering people, a minority, had their way with the majority who consented. 
and therefore not only gave their energy away, but left holes within their own energy field that then have to play out biologically. So uh, afterwards, every uh, this became a group trauma, you know, uh, using that term. And, and I agree, in New German medicine, everything is about a, a conflict or a trauma in the psyche. But this group trauma leaves us, uh, you know, as we reincarnate, into a, a place where we have these vulnerabilities based on these old energetic, um, you know, things that we all bought into and created as a collective. And so seemingly, uh, or, or not just seemingly, but uh, otherwise uneventful microbial events and things that are just part of the natural order that are in no way anything other than benevolent, all of a sudden uh, do not have the normal controls uh, that they should have, you know, as far as being guided by our own innate intelligence. And then they start running the machinery and become the basis of a lot of uh, what we think of as disease. They are the roots of a lot of the disease. So we can have these, you know, traumas on an individual level. We carry in this collective trauma. Uh, but basically, you know, it's about, again, non-consent, reclaim your energy, and uh, not just clean up our own backyard, but be part of the collective that's cleaning up, you know, what we all created collectively back in past civilizations. Oh. I don't want to take the microphone, Mike, why don't you go ahead? Well, I was just going to say the notion of reincarnation is basically been supported by every great mystical tradition, religion, even Christianity. Jeez, you know, it wasn't until the uh, the Roman Catholic Church was really, I forgot which council it was, if it was the Council of Nicaea or the Second Council of Constantinople. I, I grew up Catholic. I was Constantinople. At, I, I, was it? Okay, so I was at altar server for like- You're a Catholic. I went you to went all, to Catholic school too. I went you to an all-boys all <laughs> Catholic high school. And I even considered being a priest for a little bit when I was like 10, 11. Um, I was uh, an altar server. I, I led uh, uh, the youth groups into the mountains. I was like hardcore Catholic boy. <laughs> and, um, but my point is what, you know, even with Christianity, they, the Council of Constantinople, they, they got, took the uh, reincarnation out because it was very important for the control structure at the time to have the notion of uh, a single lifetime with heaven and hell and um, purgatory and all that. And so, but my point is that really, if you can envelop the idea of that, um, that we do reincarnate and that karma plays a massive role in um, our health because of previous lives karma affecting us now, we're seeing it now with science, with epigenetics, and they're starting to tie this together. And one thing you talk about in your book is, um, which has become a pretty much uh, in quantum mechanics, a very well understood and very accepted thing uh, is an idea of zero point or the vacuum field or the vacuum space where there is this infinite energy when you go down to the minute detail in the quantum field. And that there's even like, I, I think you talk about a little shrimp in the book that has the ability right. with the, the, uh, the water um, where it has like, it, it generates the heat of the sun. Mm -hmm. um, and so my point of bringing this all up is that going back to the exciting times that we're in is that science is starting to really come down, you know, starting to really show us that um, all this, this quote unquote woo woo stuff is really all foundational and universal law. 
And when we get to more like the Walter Russell stuff we talk about, he even takes it way beyond quantum physics. But the exciting thing is that we are moving towards a, 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 a new science, a new biology, a new um, uh, biophysics and all this that's really going to allow those who have problems kind of, you know, are still really stuck in the reductionist mindset and think this is all woo-woo. Well, I think it'll allow them, as you're saying, be, you can be the bridge. This will be the bridge to allow people to accept these ideas and, and heal themselves in a way that um, will not allow the control systems to really have the, the finger on the pulse and the control of us anymore because we won't have these institutions we look for. Um, you know, uh, instead, we'll be able to have our own sovereignty and understand that we're really in charge of everything. So um, anyways, uh, what was that shrimp, by the way, um, that... Yeah. I never heard of but a pistol shrimp, I believe. Pistol shrimp, yeah. It's able to create a, a strike with its claw that generates a water cavitation toroid, and then it, it basically generates the heat found on the surface of the sun. <laughs> That's <laughs> insane. Yeah, I know, right? And, and there's probably far more going on there um, as far as even what the sun is and using uh, sonar luminescence to generate the heat that we think is happening through nuclear, you know, fusion and all the other things that go on. But anyway, so it's fascinating, the topic. Um, but I agree with you. I think we are returning in ways to technology that when you look at the megaliths, right, we talked about Atlantis and some of the remnants, several thousand ton perfectly mitered pieces of stone, right? It's amazing. But knowing what water can do, and even just through mechanical action of a propeller, you can induce cavitation. It could be through sound or laser. Ultrasound can do it. And your voice, when you go like, when you whisper, it has ultrasound. So there's theoretically, we could induce a cavitation event. And it's not just um, generating heat, it de novo synthesis of the entire periodic chart. That's something I cover in chapter three of my book with Mark LeClaire's work, who's an amazing technologist. Uh, and he has several patents. He worked for Lockheed Martin even. It's amazing they didn't disappear those patents and him. But he's alive. I talked to him recently, and he has discovered what you might call the philosopher's stone. But it's really um, amazing what we're starting to stumble upon. And I think, again, it's validating that the technologies that used to exist that could be induced even just through intention and thought are, are orders of magnitude more powerful than anything we've devised on this plane yet. And I think, uh, Bear, you probably can speak to that. and I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, actually, I was uh, kind of stuck back on the sun conversation. I'm hearing everything <laughs> you're saying, but I, I'd, I'd love to have a whole con uh, podcast just on the sun. You know, wow. the sun is, uh, gives birth to the planets, and the planets give birth to, uh, um, you know, moons. And, and to understand that, you'd have to get into the electrical events behind that. And interestingly enough, too, when you see like when a sun, for instance, starts going through its second phase, you know, what we would consider the maturation phase, it starts oblating electrically rather than being full north-south polarity, which keeps the sphere. And by the way, I don't have any dog in the fight as far as the flat versus the globe head kind of thing. But interestingly, when you get into... <laughs> when you get into the electrical forces, you see that, you know, de uh, depending on the stage of development of a planet or a sun, 
they do oblate and get more flat. And then, you know, when they're more in their robust middle age and youthful states, they're more spherical. But anyway, as they oblate, then they start giving off rings, electrical rings. And this can be greatly uh, elaborated on. And then those rings, just like the rings of Saturn, you know, those are vapors out there. Those planets are almost vapors because they're very aged planets. And uh, so those uh, rings, uh, you know, give birth to the planets and so forth. So uh, what I wanted to bring up, I didn't mean to get into that, the, the um, sun, the important thing I think we need to understand is we don't just go out and get a little ultraviolet and vitamin D from the sun. We're getting the informational fields yeah. for every facet of creation when we're in the sun because the sun is what we're birthed from in the first place. And interestingly, past civilizations had... Um, uh, you know, uh, beliefs and, uh, you know, I, I don't want to say rituals, but something like that based on uh, acknowledgement of the sun as the, the universal Godhead and intelligence, uh, not going into some kind of primitive, you know, sun worship sort of thing. But then in a lot of circles these days, of course, say, oh, those guys were sun worshipers, like they were pagans and you know, and these superstitious people, but actually they understood, you know, where universal intelligence was and there was a whole hierarchy and within our particular solar system, the sun is the conduit for, you know, the informational fields that play down in our level of reality in the solar system. So it's uh, very important, I think, when we're outside, when we're in the sun and understanding why it feels so good for us, it's not just because we're getting a little vitamin D, we are literally replenishing all the information of the entirety of creation, uh, you know, well beyond our solar system even. Wow. It's amazing. I've been really interested in Eric Goliard's work. They call him like Tesla 2.0 and Nassim Harriman. And uh, I don't know him. Oh, you don't? Oh, he's amazing. Basically, no. the guy just pretty much lives out of his car somewhere and he is one of the most brilliant inventors. And I don't know what you'd call him other than a Tesla 2.0, but he, he proposes along with Nassim that the sun is like a white hole around a black hole. That would be one way of describing it. So the sunspots are actually, you're kind of seeing the black hole beneath the surface. And again, I think the sonoluminescent explanation for what the sun is, is very interesting. And, but what, what Mark Leclerc does is he discovers that through water cavitation, he's able to synthesize the entire periodic chart preceded by actually a micro black hole formation. And then it, it has the same ratios of the elements as found averaged across all the elements on the crust of the earth. So the old concept that meteors brought to the elements here completely is changed by this discovery. And um, fascinating. At some point, I'm going to be doing an interview with him. And um, I think he's got some real profound discoveries that you guys would find interesting. That uh, And waveforms are, sorry, Mike, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, no, you, you go ahead first, Bear. Well, I was just going to say waveforms are the, you know, the characteristics of every waveform, which is, uh, you know, a composite of these vectors is what gives the different elements their characteristic. Like, uh, you know, just behind me, I have a little gadget on one of my tables where it reproduces the waveform for silver. And so rather than uh, create silver colloids for, you know, people that recognize the benefits to our health of colloidal silver, if you could get the pure elevated energetic 
um, you know, aspect of silver without the colloids, not only would it be more effective, but it would be non-toxic no matter how much you took. So this little gizmo actually recreates a waveform in water because water is the most malleable substance and the best recording substance to do that with. So you just, uh, you know, turn it on and within uh, five minutes, it, water changes color and it's pure silver and you never have to go out and buy colloidal silver or worry about taking too much. And every element on the periodic table can be reproduced if you understand its waveform and and then that can be configured with the right voltage and other elements that you know you have to add in order to create what you want so uh, as walter russell said we should be well we are in the age of transmutation which means we don't have to go out and mine things out of the earth anymore if we need a particular metallic substance to fire up an assembly line to make a car or something we can create that out of the pure waveforms and then reverse the process when we're through with it and disintegrate it so we don't need landfills at the same time that's, that's exactly technology he's discovered and yet i understand what you're saying is you may not even need to use water cavitation you can use other devices just right to use the waveform to access that wow that's see this is so powerful and amazing people understood the implications like one application of that is all of the nuclear waste from all of the reactors on the planet can be you know decommissioned permanently by dematerialization or, or transformation of those radio uh, nuclei so yeah powerful times beautiful stuff for sure yeah, yeah. You, you beat I me agree. to it, Bear. You, uh, I was just going to bring up transmutation because uh, that's there's a whole there's a ton of that discussed in Sayer's book, and um, you know it's just kind of like, isn't that really inspiring? If we can move into this Jetson Star Trek world where we're just transmuting things uh, to when we need, and we don't need to go back to the scarcity mindset of mining stuff out, and we just um, create what we need and um, live in, in harmony that way. I mean, that is really the future I'd like to see. So, um, yeah, that's just uh, phenomenal if uh, we can start developing those technologies more and, um, you know, put together the Walter Russell ideas along with um, what uh, the more mainstream science is doing and really start pushing the envelope that way. These are the kind of exciting things and places we need to be going, and that's really cool. Uh, that he's doing that. I think if you can build in scarcity into any biophysical model, it's the ultimate brainwashing tool because that's what, you know, provides centralization of control and dividing us and fear that something's going to run out. So the opposite is abundance, which is actually built into the things themselves to the point where it can manifest out of the void. Obviously, that's the most threatening of all concepts to the powers that be. But uh, at this I moment, mean, yeah. I mean, that's what the Roman Catholic Church did, right? We were just talking about they created scarcity with our spirituality so that we only have one life and we have, <laughs> and we have, you know, that we have to be careful with how much we sin. And yeah. then, um, you know, and one then, strike and you're out. Then you go to, then they were sell, even selling the, um, you know, for purgatory um, that the whole, you know, Martin Luther was irate about and which launched the kind of revolution into the other, you know, the Lutheran church and, um, or they wow. called uh, that. I forgot what they were called that they would sell, you know, and you had to get those. So you didn't go to, you got less time in purgatory, but wow. you know, you know, you mentioned something, Bear, you mentioned uh, when you're transmuting the silver and you're talking about water. Um, one thing that I, I, I've been really 
um, going down the rabbit hole is this idea of easy water or the fourth way of water um, and uh, exclusion zone water. And that ideally that really, we have barely scratched the surface in, in really what water can be and what water is. And you touch on this on your book, um, Sarah. And, um, you know, it would be interesting to see, uh, Bear, um, you know, have you done any research or done any kind of tweaking with the type of water you're using when using that tool to do the silver solution? Yeah, it, of course, works a lot better when you have a pure water source. And I would, uh, you know, caution anybody to use a device like that with municipal water. Uh, you know, water, we're talking about creating scarcity. They've even done it with water. There's no scarcity of water. The core of the earth is actually carbon. Of course, we've been taught that the core is iron, and then that iron holds magnetic qualities that then keep us into an orbital, you know, through magnetism, which is another fallacy, uh, which is... Uh, <laughs> It's so ridiculous, you know, when you when you start learning a little bit, because let's just, let's go with that. Let's say the uh, core of the Earth is iron and it's magnetic. Well, it, by their own scientific uh, parameters, uh, iron melts at oh, I think uh, about fifteen hundred. Don't hold me any numbers, but something like this, fifteen hundred degrees. And uh, the core is actually, they say, about 5,000 degrees, which means it's a molten core of iron. And iron uh, loses its magnetic qualities uh, when it's melted, so when it reaches its melting point. So anyway, you know, nothing is congruous or holds its water the more you just go into their system. So if you go back to the understanding that Walter Russell substantiated didn't just conjecture that we have a carbon core then that is the source it's a biotic source of endless water and there is no shortage of pure clean water on the planet and of course there's uh, even youtube videos out where you can you know see a lot of intelligent people discussing the fact that there are vast untapped aquifers you know beneath the earth's surface but you know that kind of information is uh uh, kept from us so we can have water shortages in California and Texas and places like that. Well, Go ahead. Yeah, sir. is that also true, right? The whole uh, biogenic explanation for oil, that it's not fossilized dinosaur bones. It's relatively limitless, although yeah. it provides yeah. some kind of function for Mother Earth. So we don't want to, obviously, the bloom of the Earth is dependent on a lot of these liquids and it's compromised and increased seismic activity, yes. et cetera. But, but nonetheless, it's not you know, what we think it is. Yeah. Yeah. I never heard they, of it. They come up with, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they just come up with such lame stuff. And uh, <laughs> I'm pretty convinced it's somewhere there's a back room where they're laughing their heads off at us, but so, that's okay too, I suppose. Elites who have been architecting all this along with their other buddies. Yeah. They're not going to like our- And I do. <laughs> yeah. But transmutation is where we're at right now. And of course, it begins with our individual selves, which is why they create the scarcity, the fear, and everything that's being orchestrated out there. Because uh, those, uh, you know, represent different coordinates in consciousness. And you can't be transmuting in the higher realms when you're, you know, fixated there. You know, you can't serve your masters. So right now, I believe we're all here to make a decision, bottom line, wow. on an individual basis. Yeah, uh, uh, Dr. Binder, who we had on last week, who is just a phenomenal character, and I really loved having him on because he really knows Walter Russell. He made a really interesting remark. He said, 
you know, we have the ability to have free energy or whatever we want to classify that as, right? Um, where uh, it's not based on entropy because entropy is also uh, another fallacy. Um, but, but he said, we're not going to have that until the consciousness on this planet uh, is ready for it. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. you know, and that makes a lot of sense. So um, we're going through those really tough growing pains right now. And, um, you know, mm-hmm. I just feel like we're on that cusp. It's just like so many markers uh, from the, the ancient texts, uh, the mystics, the Edgar Cayce's, the, the, um, the you know, all the, the truth tellers and the seers. It seems like it's all coming down to right now, you know, and so uh, the Kali Yuga and everything. So this is, this is really exciting, crazy times. And that's why for me, it's just like, you know, it's really easy to get caught up in the negativity of it all and, and how dire things seem. But, you know, um, just like with cancer, and, and I, I've just finishing your whole section on cancer, Sarah, which you touch on a lot of amazing aspects that are very truthful. But um, uh, cancer in the same way can go either way. Uh, when you get the prognosis, you know, you can go down the negative side uh, of, oh my God, this is going to kill me. Or you can use it as a marker to go, okay, something, there's some kind of thing that I'm off with. I got to fix something. And then you, there's a lot of stories of people who recover, quote unquote, recover and change their lives and are like living the best lives they've ever had now. And really yeah. you could see this as kind of the, the personification of the cancer on our, on our world has finally just come to a head. And, um, it's up to us to whether we're, are we going to continue going down, uh, you know, the war on it, the war on everything, or are we just going to accept it and, and heal and move forward? Um, yeah. yeah. Well, if I could just respond, the first thing you brought up was really profound because, you know, in the yogic tradition, you have these CDs of powers that emerge on the path. They're sort of opened up when you reach a certain level. You could gamify this concept, I guess, but they can be very dangerous. I, again, this language you might not agree with, but they can blow back. The power is there for service, for healing. But this is true for the technology, even Tesla's uh, technology. Is A lot of this can be weaponized. So until the collective attains a certain level of you know, moral fortitude or coherence, these technologies will likely be you know, used in a different way. And I was thinking about Atlantis, you know, the notion of the great crystal, how it was misused. And that sort of We've been called the New Atlantis, right? We're a soul group that's reincarnated in North America, similar situation. And we're sort of on this cusp right now. So I find it very interesting that collectively, like water cavitation is like a city that has been discovered that would solve so much. I mean, endless clean energy and materialization of things like rare elements, which entire entire geopolitical chessboards are set up to try to fight future wars over, you know? And not to mention devaluing even things like gold because you can manifest it. Imagine that, even the old hedges against the enclosure. So what is real value? It just brings all this up. People are going to freak out. Unfortunately, (laughs) just because we've discovered the solution to having a million year plus healthy planet living in harmony. But um, so anyway, I was thinking about that. But the other thing with cancer is that, you know, I've spent so much time on this topic because Overdiagnosis, overtreatment is based primarily on misunderstanding what it is. And of course, with the work that you're doing, uh, Bear, 
there's such better explanations for what we have considered for so long to be strictly, you know, physical causes and solutions. So, but, um, but it's promising. I mean, I will say one thing, which is that there's one perspective and I go over at least five of them in the book where cancer is our body doing the best it can to survive and adapt to an intrinsically sick situation like Krishnamurti's quote. So in a way we should be celebrating the attempts and in one view, it, it, it harkens back to um, a, an ancient toolkit within the proto-DNA of our body, which is sometimes called Metazoa 1.0. And uh, it's a, a way to default back to what life is fundamentally, which is immortal. So that's what, you know, um, oncogenesis is, is immortalization of a cell line. Well, by default, and actually differentiated cells can can de-differentiate back into immortal ones. But that is sort of the irony of cancer. It's actually our infinite, regenerative, immortal core that is, you know, being in a way overutilized to respond to constant need for tissue regeneration. The same cytokines release are the same ones that promote cancer. And a lot of the genes, the proto-oncogenes that are activated, the same ones that confer immortality or longevity. So it's a very interesting way of looking at cancer. And that way it's no longer happening to you. It's something that your body does in response to an already sick situation. It's an attempt to survive, which means more than live. I mean, it's really our superhuman nature coming out, but if not held within the context of meaning that I'm sure you guys have many layers around, it will, it will, it will end up tragic. Often watchful waiting, and detoxification and just getting in connection with your emotions and clearing them will heal the condition. So as you guys know more than anyone. Yeah, um, and it would surprise most people to understand that cancer is actually the cure. My experience with treating hundreds of cases over many years is that uh, it, it most definitely is the cure and it also coincides with the principles of Germanic medicine. Uh, which has really created an evidence-based data bank to substantiate that. So for, uh, as an example, you know, maybe you take someone that smoked for 20 years and then they get the dark spot on their lung. Well, what's happening is, you know, and this will sound outlandish, but um, smoking does not cause lung cancer. It absolutely doesn't, but it can damage tissues. Now, when your body starts uh, you know, growing cells, proliferating different kinds of cells that differentiate to do what we associate with the tumor, that is in fact the cure. And if you understand what the body's doing, and you, then you can use contemporary clinical medicine to uh, evaluate what phase of the process you're in, and you're going to know exactly how to support the body in that process so it doesn't get caught on an uncomfortable plateau. It'll go full circle every single time if a person is open to that understanding and hasn't done a lot of stupid medical intervention that impedes the process. And the, the growth will actually clean up the terrain that was, uh, you know, uh, became toxic by years of smoking and you have nice, fresh, new lung tissue. And what's really cool uh, beyond that is uh, it also clears the psyche of a lot of debris in the meantime, because biology, and the only reason why we're in these biological simulations in the first place is bio biology holographically plays out the traumas within our psyche and again affords us the opportunity 
you know, if we trust in it and work with it to, uh, again, enter into those other realms of consciousness that we're alluding to here. Wow. Wow. That's profound. I mean, just birth doesn't have to be. It could be orgasmic and then, uh, you know, water birth, et cetera, is a trauma. Um, the moment we incarnate. And so, but yeah, what you're saying is so profound. I mean, I've studied a lot when it comes to the conventional causes, you know, of cancers like polonium-210 with the tobacco industry hiding that particular vector. But as I got to better understand the power of the body to even materialize or even transform radioactive energy into useful metabolic energy, you know, maybe mediated through biomelanin or something, but yeah, I don't know. I started to better understand, okay, even in the worst case scenario, you know, we're here today because of what, you know, conventional viewpoint, last universal common ancestor cell of all living things on the planet is 3.4 billion years ago. And that itself was probably, I mean, again, there's many ways of looking at it. I could have manifested out of the void, but I believe panspermia, if that's true, it is some protofungal form. Life is immortal regardless. We have germline cells in our body, infinite replications, still living. So when people start realizing, holy crap, that we're immortal partially, then they start realizing, okay, the old story about us being so weak and defective, and it's absurd. But it's designed, just like COVID, as a geopolitical strategy to try to dominate and control us in the Kali Yuga. But thanks to this conversation, maybe a little bit less so, <laughs> yeah, you talk and, and if <laughs> go ahead, Vic. I was just gonna real quick to say, you know, if in fact this is an electrical simulation uh, put in play by our collective and individual consciousness, how could we possibly be mortal? Because you know we're jumping right to the you know inescapable conclusion that we aren't this body in the first place. <laughs> That's nice. I like what you did there. <laughs> like being medicine or something what you're saying wow okay i like that yeah in your book you talk about was it oncogenes um the idea that there are these genes that are you know been around for thousands of years that you know could be the personification like you were saying of the pans you know that that can develop into the cancer and really like all of that stuff's great i feel like it's wonderful seeing science get down to that smaller and smaller nitty gritty, but we have to keep remi reminding ourselves those are just the after effects. Those are the physical after effects of the greater electrical events that are happening from consciousness. And yeah, yeah. it's important to know how the mechanisms work, but in the end, it's, I feel like um, that in the end, it's, does it really matter? You know, <laughs> like uh, I, I want to affirm that Mike, because my book is really written for a certain category of individuals that need the scripture of biomedical science to believe anything basically. And it's just a bridge, but we're already where we are now where I wanted to go with this anyway, this was my way out of 10 years plus agreement info into talk about regeneration and live this beautiful world that we're wanting to create, but um, there's limitations. That's why when you said you got through two thirds of it, I'm like, wow, that's, that's an effort. That's, oh, that's amazing. It's intense. I wouldn't wish it on my enemy. <laughs> I'm, I'm a bit of a sadist or was it? <laughs> masochist or no, it's a phenomenal bridge and a phenomenal read. And it really reiterated so many things for me, you know, uh, especially with the cancer diagnosis stuff, um, which is just such a, 
uh, the mammograms and everything. And it just, it's important because we have a lot of family and friends, like I can give this book to, and, and, and I won't look so crazy anymore because it gives the foundation for people who are still just trying to understand these things we talk about. And it really grounds them into real studies that show like, whoa, this stuff's real. Like, yeah, when you go get your mammogram, you are very much creating that, that state uh, that will create the physical manifestation of the thing you don't want to have in the first place. So don't exactly. go get the mammograms. <laughs> Stay away from getting mammograms. We talk about this all the time. Um, <laughs> so um, I know you got to get going soon here, Sayer. Um, we're coming up on time, but uh, you know, one of the big one of the big things, the takeaways from your book, and what we talk about is like the importance of just going back to the natural world, the natural, the homeostasis of of our reality, which Mother Nature will always show us. So eat natural foods if you can grow them yourselves, even better. Um, don't get so hung up on what your quote unquote diet is. Like I say, it's way more important to be raising and growing your own food. Um, and that gets you out of the loop of having, um, you know, all the, the chemicals and adjuvants and everything in the, in the, even if you go buy like the best organic packaged food, it still has stuff in there that's added. Um, but if you just go out to your garden and pick fresh fruit and pull out fresh carrot out of the ground and eat it, I mean, there's nothing be- better especially if you started with the seed in your mouth to begin with you're having this you're having this like positive biofeedback loop so you know that's these are the kind of things we stress all the time and that was really the big takeaway so far reading your book is it's like you know this isn't that complicated it's like you know just just go back to the old school in some ways like grow your own food eat natural stuff um get sunlight get normal sleep um, try to, you know, minimize your, um, your relationship to technology, um, you know, uh, be active. I mean, um, what's that's, I guess the positive takeaway is like, this isn't, doesn't have to be really intensive and overwhelming to folks. It's like, you can really be, use a lot of common sense. Yeah. I mean, I think if I could boil it down, what I feel is most important right now is people learn to fall back in love with and trust their bodies and nature. And the second part is really about the future of humanity. I mean, between Kelly and I, we have four daughters, you know, young daughters. And I want, I want them to experience beauty and, and the beauty that God created through nature. Because when you experience that, like I'm down the street from a nuclear reactor, Fukushima style, it's leaking and overheating. It's like literally 15 miles away. It's insane that we live here, but if I fall in love with here and these peacocks and, and the things that are so beautiful, then this is where we start really regenerating and turning back the dial on the, or going through the, okay, the Kali Yuga is the time of the return of Ganesha is another way of looking at it. And he both delivers the obstacles and removes them, assuming we go ahead and do what's right. So I feel like that's what's going on. We see all the obstacles now more clearly than ever. Thank God for COVID-19 then for showing us. But the real point is, is we've got to fall back in love with our bodies and nature trust. And then that will deliver us to where we need to go. So the book isn't necessary for that, but some people, you know, might need to read it to realize that, yeah, I have 55,000 citations in agreement info that I hand curated so I could write this book that's the science they need to be delivered here. But the mystical truth, which I know you guys are holding in space for all the time, is you can sit there and look at a great blade of grass for long enough and you'll receive all the message you'll ever need in this lifetime or any other. Beautiful. 
Yeah, and you hit the nail on the head. It's just, just simply a matter of falling in love. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's all we have to do. And uh, falling in love in a, in a way where it's not dependent on a, a person, an event, or some outer thing, just falling in love, period. And, mm-hmm. and that's the way home. And, uh, you know, even biblical scholars will tell us these times that we're in uh, that we term in, uh, you know, in biblical terms is Armageddon. Armageddon actually means new beginnings. Oh, and that's, that's where we're at right now. Yeah. And, but of course, it's been inverted to mean, oh, the end and doom and gloom and fire and brim. So no, it means new beginnings, literally. Mm-hmm. So uh, I could talk to you all day, uh, Sarah. Thank you so much for yeah. being here with us. And I hope we can do this again sometime. Yeah. And, uh, and we get to see your significant other here pretty soon uh, as well. I, think. I miss her already. I know. Uh, let's do that. Let's, let's do it together or have her on next if she's willing. And she's, sure scheduled, she she's scheduled. Oh. She's scheduled for September. So we'll have yeah. Kelly Brogan on. We already have her scheduled. I don't know the date offhand, but she's what coming on. Fun. So wow. thank you guys. We love your work, who you are. And I want all my followers to be, you know, you know, aware of what you're doing and so so they can benefit so thank you so much i hope we can i hope we can entice you out to the northwest sometime because we've got uh, uh, we may a not leave. room for you all right well <laughs> we may not leave we've got four daughters with very big appetites so uh just be prepared it's like a plague of locusts coming to visit <laughs> Well, um, we're prepared. We're prepared uh, for that. Um, well, hey, <laughs> wonderful. And you know, where you are too, you can grow the heck out of anything. I'm jealous because you can grow papayas and bananas. And, uh, yes. and we're so, in a tropical area. You're right. Yeah. So I shouldn't feel so bad for myself. No, you are. I'm jealous, man. Like, uh, you're an amazing growing area. So, uh, year round. So, um, uh, embrace that for sure. Um, well, anyways, this has been a fun talk as always, and Sayer, you've just been, uh, you've really been a pleasure to speak with, and I really am enjoying your book so much, and, uh, and it's really just uh, a huge service you've done for us and for this, for this community and for humanity in general for putting all that work together, and it's, it's important because that bridge is so needed more than ever, because that's, you know, that's going to be the thing we need to go to the next the next level uh, and bring those. We're trying to like wake people up. Now, I hate to say awake, but you know, try to get people more activated and understanding that um, to their true potential every day. So uh, this book is on our book list. So if you go to alphavedic.com forward slash book list, uh, you'll see it right up there in the top of the list. Uh, so if you want to support Sayer and us, that's a great way to go about doing that. And please go purchase the book. Um, I actually full disclosure, I have it on Audible. So I've been listening to your beautiful voice on one and a half speed. So that's how I was able to crank through yesterday. That's a great way to do it. That's why I did it because I knew I like Audible better than reading. So that works. Yeah. So I was literally outside building a fence uh, Uh, and listening to it yesterday. So, um, but uh, so, you know, you can knock two birds with one stone kind of stuff. Uh, So anyways, uh, everyone, thanks for listening today. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can watch it on YouTube. Uh, This will actually premiere at YouTube at five o'clock today uh, on our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash alphabetic. It'll also, we'll get it up on DTube. We'll get it up on library and all those as well as we're trying to to slowly work our way off the centralized gulags. Um, but also, if you do enjoy, um, if you want to get involved with the live stream, we do it every Thursday at 10 a.m. Uh, on a platform called DLive, 
dlive.tv forward slash Alpha Vedic. So that is really a great platform that um, we would love to support more. So you can join us there. And I want to give a shout out to everybody in DLive. It's actually uh, a pretty good crowd in there today. And um, I want to just thank everybody, uh, Bane Bear, uh, for your wonderful contribution. We appreciate you and everybody in there um, who's followed us today. Uh, thanks so much. And um, and and then Sayer, uh, obviously, uh, for people who want to follow you, the obvious is go to Green Med Info. Any other places that you want to, um, you know, hype up right now? Yeah, thanks. Uh, because we're getting censored, which is a good sign. Maybe we're saying something of use. Uh, we're on Telegram now. I have a channel there. Sayer G Green Med Info Regenerative Project. It's long, but type in Sayer G, you should find it. And that's where broadcast uh, things like this and whatever is top of the mind for the day. Wonderful. So please go find that on Telegram. We're also on Telegram, t.me forward slash Alpha Vedic. And then if you get on there, um, we'll make sure that we route you over to Sayer too, because Telegram's great. While it's a more centralized, it, they're, they've been very vocal about not censoring. So um, we're really supporting them. And we also started our own little broadcast. So t.me forward slash Alpha Vedic News, if you just want to get like news. But the community is fantastic. We highly recommend joining us there. Or if you're more into Discord, you can just go to alphavedic.com forward slash Discord and join our Discord community too. So thanks everybody for joining us today. Uh, get outside, uh, go, ground, go ground with Mother Earth, grow some food, go on a hike. Even if you're in a city, go hit up your parks. Um, if you can, snap that face mask off. We love you and uh, just have a beautiful day. Thanks.